Hey guys, I'm Eric McLean. And I'm Kelly Gramlich. It's time to talk some ACC football. Let's go. Monday, everyone, and welcome in to the Gramlich and McLean podcast, where we break down everything you need to know about this wild and beautiful and crazy league we call the ACC. Eric McLean, <laughs> how are you, my friend? What's up, KG? Man, I'm just doing fantastic. And honestly, I, I am starting to truly appreciate the craziness even more because it is just bizarre. There have been like there was 31 when we still had two games. I think there have been 33 ranked teams lose so far wow. this season. 33. If it's not the most all-time, it's right up there. I think it is the most all-time. I mean, the, the, we, we asked for parity, and here we are. Mm-hmm. We got it. Everything that everyone has been complaining about for so long, it's right here staring us in the face across college football. Um, it's truly amazing. And I just wanted to take this time to talk about the entire country because I think it's so relevant. Sure. Um, you have teams that are just everybody's dealing with their own thing. You've got an Oklahoma team that, for whatever reason, offensively cannot figure it out. A, an Ohio State team that defensively cannot figure it out. Oregon just lost to a terrible Stanford team, probably eliminating the Pac-12 hopes and dreams for a playoff run. Uh, Arkansas gets blanked by Georgia. Ole Miss. I mean, they you know they scored fourteen in the second or the fourth quarter, uh, but that was just a shellacking. It is bizarre, KG, to to look at the G5, Cincinnati, probably going to be in the playoff now. Uh, Kentucky beats Florida for the first time since like the 70s at home. I mean, it it was a crazy, crazy weekend, and I love it, quite frankly. I'm here for it, and I I fully embrace it. unpredictable. Yeah. The unpredictability is what I'm enjoying, because I think we still have two teams that are kind of above everyone else in Alabama and Georgia. Which, by the way, by the way. I think I'm putting Georgia number one. A little secret. Yes. The only reason, the only reason you'd vote Alabama one right now is because of what they've done in the past. And that's not what we're supposed to do. If what you did in the past mattered, Clemson would still <laughs> right. be ranked. But <laughs> Which is not. bizarre too, by they're the way. They're no longer in the poll. <laughs> yes, we're going to get to that. But we are going to have, there's going to be some intrigue with the playoff. If you get a Cincinnati in there, if you get a two-loss team, perhaps. And you might see Georgia and Alabama play twice because you've got the sec championship most likely and then the playoffs. So you got to navigate that of trying to beat a team twice. Let's start with Clemson Mac and we'll, we'll break down the game a little more in a second, but Clemson does fall out of the AP poll for the first time since 2014. The two teams that played for the national title just two years ago are both unranked in Clemson and LSU. And I really can't believe Mac, when you look at August and all of our preview episodes, we're in October, the beginning of October, and neither Clemson nor North Carolina are ranked. That's crazy. <sighs> Those guys really making us look good right now, I tell you what. Making us look super, super smart. <laughs> um, we really appreciate it. I'm actually going to turn my my hatred and disdain to the AP poll voters, uh, per usual. Um, I hate this poll so much. I really do. I mean, you, you have an Oregon <laughs> team that gets shellacked by Stanford, somehow comes back, finds a way to come back, still lose – they only fall five spots to an unranked 500 Stanford team. Clemson lost to Georgia. How far did they drop? Five spots. 
how in the world are those two the same exact thing? When Georgia's probably the number one team in the country right now, should be, yet this happens. When Arkansas gets destroyed by Georgia, does not score, cannot do any 100 yards, like one first down, drop five spots. Notre Dame loses to a G5 team, five spots. Florida is three and two, lost to unranked Kentucky, is ranked 20th right now at three and two. The AP poll is a complete joke. I can't stand it. I hate it. We only have a couple more weeks with it, KG, so I'm, I can only gripe for so long. Um, but yeah, can't can't stand it. And the, and the fact, honestly, it stinks that both of those schools are not ranked and you know not taking care of business. Should be, could be, but they're not. Um, but yeah, hey, life goes on and the craziness. Honestly, I, at this point, you, we talked about the playoff a little bit. I'm pulling for a two-loss team. Doesn't have to be Clemson. I just want a two-loss team. I want absolute chaos to keep happening. I want a G5 team and a two-loss team in the playoff. I love it. That would be a lot of fun. And, you know, Mac, that's a fair point because when I saw Clemson drop out, I thought, well, I don't, I can't really make the argument that they are a top 25 team at this point. But when you look at Florida, Florida's two losses are at home to the best team in the country or one of the best and at an unranked Kentucky. Clemson's two losses and a neutral site to the best or one of the best teams in the country and at NC State, who is now ranked. So, that's a very similar resume. Now, I think the difference is Florida in their other games has looked more impressive, has been able to score. And Clemson has set the bar high, right? When you've been in the top five for so long and your offense looks this bad, even if you keep winning, people are probably going to find a way to drop you. But I did find it curious that they still stayed ranked after ranked after they lost at NC State. You win this weekend and you fall out. And even more curious that 15, 18, 20, 21 all lost. They dropped out, and yet somehow 25 wins and falls out. Yeah, it's it's, just, it doesn't really make a lot of sense. And they're doesn't. still ranked in the coaches' poll. but <laughs> Right. The, ranked 21st, the by the way. Not 25, yeah. 21st. And still went down. So they were 19, and somehow after a win, fell to 21. So right. it's uh, it's funny. Whatever. Well, and it. the other big question, Mac, the other – well, by the way, the two ranked teams in the ACC, number 19, Wake Forest, number 23, NC State. By the way, Wake Forest still undefeated, so – Let's let's not pretend like Wake is not a uh, playoff. in the playoff discussion here. <laughs> That's right. The team that makes me the most mad and sad and frustrated is Pittsburgh. Why Pittsburgh? Why? You are good. <laughs> you can score. You just blew out Georgia Tech, and no one really cares because you lost to Western Michigan. I just I just want to get this off my chest, Mac. I hate that you did that, Pittsburgh. <laughs> I hate you for that. Go to like, your room again. I want again. to be able to talk more about Pittsburgh. I want Kenny Pickett to be getting the love he deserves, but because you lost to Western freaking Michigan, you're not getting the love you deserve. And it's tough, Mac, when you can be punished so much for one Saturday, but you can't lose to a Mac team and and get the national respect that you want. Yeah, well, well, at least from the AP voters, because again, what do well, they yeah. do? They they look at a box score. But it's they, true. They I mean, that's that's embarrassing. I think that you know what we can be cutting edge here, Kelly, and we can talk about Pitt and we can be excited about them because I can guarantee if they keep winning and if they win out the way that they're supposed to, they will be very highly ranked when this first you know, college football playoff poll. But they're comes still. Out. It's still going to be what like a, been? a black yeah, cloud right, over right. them. Yeah. No, for sure. I agree. Yeah. I agree. But it's not crazy to still think a one loss or an undefeated, for sure undefeated, you can even drop that, but a one loss ACC champion can be in the playoff. There's no question in my mind that that, sure. is, that is for sure a possibility. So it'll be fun to see it. Uh, I think it's very clear that you and I, our AP poll distaste and dislike is uh, very evident and clear.
It is. But we have some great games to talk about, Mac. There were some really fun finishes this weekend. A lot of close games, one-score games between Louisville Wake, Syracuse, Florida State, NC State, Louisiana Tech, Clemson, BC. So we have a lot to get into. But before we jump into all those games, KG, let me tell our friends about On3. From the founders of Rivals.com and 24-7 Sports, On3 aims to be the college sports destination digitally for fans who don't just love the game, but love the spectacle that distinguishes college football. There has never been a year that I have been around for that it has been distinguished and different than right now, KG. So you want to get to On3. You want to read all these articles. They have a great national news where they are covering this just nuts college football landscape. They have fan sites providing a local presence that captures the passion and the voice of the fan through team-based coverage. And then lastly, which honestly, Kelly, I'm most excited about this database. It is coming very soon and is going to be the ultimate interactive resource ranging from recruiting profiles all the way to NFL draft info and everything in between. Speaking of fan sites, Mac, our great friend Matt Connolly does a great job with the Clemson sports page. And Mac and I have been posting in the Tiger's Den. So keep that in mind if you are looking for Clemson coverage. It's ClemsonSports.com. Matt Collin does an awesome job. His film breakdowns, his in-depth interviews have been excellent. And when other ACC sites launch, which they will soon, we will be posting on those boards as well. And they also have the overall team channels where you can go to On3.com, look at the team channels, and they have a team of writers that are writing articles about different teams all the time. Find your ACC team and click on the team channel. Come on, KG. All right, let's get to the Big Four breakdown because there were some really fun games, some unexpected games by some people, and then some that kind of went the way that we thought. Uh, How about the clean sweep for your boy? I was very proud of myself in picks. And honestly, I'm not proud of myself because I didn't do anything. Um, The teams finally did what I thought that they can do and what I've seen (laughs) on film. They finally finally delivered. And even at the huddle, I mean, I normally get my tail whipped I'm only down one game right now, guys. I, I had a really go, big weekend. Man. It was good. It Let's was impressive. Go. Rank this man. <laughs> Please. Rank this man. I was going to give you your props, Mac. A 4-0 week for you. I went 3-1 because I picked Georgia <laughs> Tech. So let's start with this game, Mac. Pittsburgh 52, Georgia Tech 21. Pittsburgh boat raced Georgia Tech. The two interceptions early, Pittsburgh was able to capitalize. Kenny Pickett, 23 of 36 for 389, four touchdowns, no interceptions, a QBR of 93.7. Dude was on fire. And it went back to our question, Mac, about Georgia Tech. Four quarters of Jeff Sims. Can he get it done? And the interceptions were really costly. What was our key to the game for Georgia Tech, KG? Don't turn the ball over, Don't Sims. Don't turn the ball over. Guess what he did? First two drives, picks. And one was a pick six. And just put them behind the eight ball super early. Pick gets up 14-0. to zero, Scored 42 points in the first half. They really – I mean, this game, this game could have been – even worse than what it was. I mean, Pittsburgh probably could have scored 80 if they wanted to. Their their offense was just absolutely on fire. Um, and, and then the key for Pitt, what did we say? Take what the defense gives you. Check again. We, we've been on fire with these keys lately, Kelly. Um, but that, that was why I thought that this game, um, at least offensively for Pittsburgh, could be very successful. You know, when you look at Clemson, how, how did – you know, how were they defended by Georgia Tech? It was one way, and they have a very stagnant offense. When you look at – UNC, how were they defended by Georgia Tech? They they had to hit the home run ball. They unfortunately could not capitalize in underneath shallow routes because Sam was asphyxiated on throwing deep passes. And I knew Kenny Pickett 
was not going to do that. He he was going to take what was there for him, and that was a lot of Jordan Addison. That was a lot of Taysir Mack, and it, it was just really impressive to see not only like what those guys did after they caught the ball, but Kenny throwing strikes. I mean, he had a 55-yard completion, a 47-yard completion, a 29-yard completion, and a couple of 20s here and throughout there that – those were bombs. It wasn't like little screen to Jordan, he takes off. They, they were shots down the field, and Kenny did such a good job, um, was impressed with the rush you know, attack from Pitt. I've been calling for that. Yeah, they but ran the that, ball. I mean, that's when you're throwing the ball like Kenny was, really anything that you want to do is, is going to be wide open in this offense. And, I mean, Kenny just – He's playing really, really well right now. I mean, I'm, I'm talking about Heisman-level numbers. I think he has to keep winning. Yeah. That's right. Money, and money, that, money. And money. He, he's going to have to get you know his team ranked. And, and gosh, again, we keep harping on that loss. But I, I think that really just – it hurts so bad. But his numbers, I mean, are, are up there. Historic, what he's been able to accomplish. Really, really impressed from Kenny. Agree. And I'm not going to keep harping on that Western Michigan loss, but also Pitt. <laughs> um, I think with Georgia Tech, perhaps we overreacted to their defense looking really good against Clemson, who is still searching for themselves offensively in many ways. And then against North Carolina, where they forced three turnovers and UNC just was not able to keep the ball, take care of the ball. And we'll talk about this when we talk about UNC Duke. UNC is a different team when they play at home. And they're completely different when they play on the road. That is a huge concern for North Carolina. But we overreacted a little bit. But to your point, Mac, when you throw those picks early to an offense that is this prolific, you basically lose the game in the first quarter. And that's what Georgia Tech did. Yeah, and, and it was so funny, Kelly. We were on the huddle, you know, Saturday all day talking about this, and and you know, coach just sitting there, and, and EJ, they really were, you know, feeling this defense. I said, guys, just pump the brakes. We need to see it. This will be the test. I know it sounds crazy. I know they just played Clemson and just played UNC. I get it, but this will be the bigger test because of how efficient Pitt's offense is. And of course, they get exposed for fifty-two points, and it should have been way, way more. Um, still, some bright spots. I mean, Sims. There's no question that he is such a special player and, and what he's able to do. I mean, he threw for 360 yards. I mean, that guy is so good and so fun, but it's just the the mistakes at times are almost like just too big to get over. They, they just hurt so bad. And then honestly, the way Pitt was able to shut down Gibbs, he had 10 rushes. Yes, that's concerning minus 10 for yards. They haven't really been able to run yeah. the ball. Right, which is, it was good to see Pitt kind of get back defensively in that aspect, but of course, giving up nearly 400 yards passing, uh, the Pitt defense in all has to work on figuring that stuff out, uh, and, and offensively, they're looking really, really sharp. Let's move on to the rivalry game for the victory bell. North Carolina beats Duke 38-7. to UNC really just overwhelmed Duke, I would say, from the beginning when they had that fumble return for a touchdown, but... It's this is what's so puzzling, Mac. It, UNC is they just play so much better at home, and of course Duke lost the turnover margin again, which not again. I mean they've been better, but UNC did not turn the ball over. That was big. I think that's big for North Carolina. I know Duke isn't the best team defensively, but that has been UNC's issue. Yeah, there, there's no question. It was good to see Sam again make unbelievable throws like we all know he can, uh, made better decisions. I did see him check it down a couple of times, saw him throw it away once, which I was very proud about. <laughs> um, but it, it's just, honestly, Kelly, that stuff is going to start stacking up. And, and, you know, the NFL is so hard to read on how they're going to judge people or justify things or, or this and that and, and how they slot different guys. I mean, we've seen – 
I mean, countless times guys just rise. One-year wonders just rise and become these, you know, first players picked at their position. And a guy like Sam Howe who has so much tape, it's also a little negative because there's also more to critique and there's more things to point out. And so uh, he just has to continue to grow. There is zero ability to deny that he is a fantastic player and does some freaky, freaky stuff. Like that that out route that he threw to Josh Downs that ended up being a 63-yard touchdown. I mean, that was an NFL throw to the boundary, an out route across the field, just the zip that he had on the ball. And and we've seen him do that, I mean, for three years. And so that's why it's, it's tough for me to critique Sam. Uh, but at the same time, it's things that you would hope he grows out of. And when he gets to the league, he will because he's either going to not play or um, you know, just get murdered. He, he's not going to be able to do those things. And so he'll grow it out. He'll figure it out. He's going to be a great pro. But, man, he could really help North Carolina the remainder of this year if he just plays smarter and, and a little bit better at times. Josh Downs is that dude, by the way. He was incredible. And he now leads the ACC. He had eight catches for 168 and a touchdown. He leads the ACC in total yards, yards per game, by a big margin. There really isn't anyone very close to him. Would you say right now, Mac, that he's the best wide receiver in the league? Uh, for sure, most productive. I think between him and Jordan Addison is is kind of where where I am. Uh, and he's scoring a lot of touchdowns. He's at like nine. I think he leads the country in touchdowns and, and averaging right at about 18 yards per catch. Um, they're both so fun and actually kind of similar body types, which is really weird. You know, yes. they're both you know kind of smaller similar guys. Games. Yeah, that, that can really be physical, get yards after catch for you. So I, I think those guys are kind of 1A and 1B. Um, it stinks because even another guy who's just like them, Zay Flowers, he just doesn't have his quarterback. And, and I still – we see flashes from him, um, but I, I would love to have him upper echelon. But certainly, Downs and Addison for sure, top of the ACC, probably 1A, 1B right now. UNC has a tough slate coming up. They do have Florida State this week, and we'll have a special guest on later in the week to discuss. That's right. Come but on. But they still have some tough games remaining. So – We'll see. I mean, if UNC could finish 10-2, and two, Mac, that would be amazing. Be great. You'd forget but, about all that stuff, yeah. Yes, but they do have a, a tough slate coming up. Let's talk about the undefeated team in the ACC and the highest-ranked team and the, the team that really holds the ACC's playoff hopes in its tall black hat, and that's Wake Forest. <laughs> Wake Forest beat Louisville 37-34. to They're up to 19th in the AP poll. They held on. I thought Wake – I went back and watched this game – and I thought Wake really controlled the game throughout, but Louisville just wouldn't go away and they hung around. And can we just start by giving Malik Cunningham his props? Dude has been balling. Forget the Ole Miss game, but since then, <laughs> he's been excellent and he's really cut down on turnovers, Mac. Four total touchdowns in the game, over 350 yards of total offense. He, he's been great. I thought he low-key looked like the better quarterback in the game. Hartman had a bad pick. His completion percentage was low. But the bottom line, and, and this is something that won out a little bit, Mac, was Wake Forest could still run the ball. They had two wide receivers that that really played well. And they just they held on. They held on for a win. Yeah, it, it was super impressive to watch Malik. He, he's just so fun to watch. I'm so happy he's back to that. I mean, last year was it was painful for, for him, I know, and, and for us to watch because you you know the talent that he has. You know the ability that he has. And, and for whatever reason, last year just wasn't able to do it. And, and with – Honestly, more talent last year than he has right now. I mean, he he just he does have guys that are great role players and that are making big time plays. But I mean, I think there there's nobody, there's no Louisville fan that would say, "Hey, would you rather have Tutu Atwell, Des Fitzpatrick, and uh, 
uh, JV and Hawkins or these guys. They would take them just because they've seen it. But he's just doing such a great job. He's so efficient. Uh, he's super accurate, making big-time throws. And then with his legs, I mean, that was the first rushing touchdown, and he did it twice against Wake Forest. And, and so he is just – he's a dynamic player. And, and for him to truly be you know, kind of do-it-all guy – is uh is exactly what Louisville needs, and, and we talk about it. Love that they're embracing it and and using him that way. Now, Wake Forest did a decent job at, at containing him running the ball, but he threw the ball extremely well. As you said, Sam, kind of a silly decision there. Almost led to his team losing, but at the end of the day, a great team effort. Two receivers, as you said, Roberson, Morin, over 100 yards. It's funny, we were just talking last week about how A.T. Perry stepped up big time and is kind of, is he taken that way? And then, of course, Roberson goes nuts and, and has 335, or 100, excuse me, not 300, 135 yards. Uh, and then really just a team rushing attack. I mean, they had 44 rushes. They had three guys in double digits. Sam was one of them for 177 yards. Was really just a great offensive game. Um I thought the defenses were going to play maybe a little bit better than they did, but we should have known. I mean, to a track meet, if you will, a little bit of drama at halftime. You know, coach wasn't happy with, you know, kind of the the clock management there for for Louisville. And <laughs> I, I kind of agree with him, honestly. I mean, I'm, I'm happy that Wake's still undefeated and ranked, but that was bizarre how, uh, you know, you do a run play, there's four seconds left, and magically there's a second on the clock left. I don't know how that happened. Very interesting. interesting. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I hear you on that. Mac, I'm I'm much higher on this Louisville team. Just If Malik Cunningham continues to play like this, I think Louisville, you know, they're three and two right now. I, I think eight and four is an incredibly reasonable goal for Louisville. If you look at the rest of their schedule. Well, I mean, their two losses are, are ranked teams. I mean, it's it's an old Miss team that until they got killed by Bama looked really, really good and an undefeated Wake Forest. So you look at those losses and you know, this isn't the SEC. We don't have quality losses, but you know they have two losses that, when you look at it, it's like hmm, they're not that bad. I'm I'm high on Louisville, and I think it's it says a lot about Satterfield that he was able to get this team to regroup after that Ole Miss game that was just rough, and, yeah, and they're looking a completely lot. Completely agree. All right, Mac, it's time to discuss this Clemson Boston College game. Clemson wins nineteen to thirteen in a game that really lacked offense. Um, you know, DJU passes for over 200 yards for the first time this season. He was only 13 of 28 passing, so he did have some bad misses. He did make some plays. That third and 12 in the fourth quarter, if he doesn't hit Ngata, we may be talking about a Boston College win. Kobe Pace and Phil Maffa both looked really good with Will Shipley out. I think Ngata was the MVP as well as BT Potter. But y- you and I were talking about this back after the game. Grissel played well. He, he was fine. But he had maybe five or six balls where he just overthrew an open guy. And so you can't help but think if Jerkovic is in there, how does this game go go differently? But uh, in the end, Clemson just found a way to win. Yeah, which, you know, deserves credit. Deserves all the credit in the world for, to be able to, you know, make that happen. And a team that had to kick four field goals, uh, you know, to, to win, essentially, Um it is it is just interesting to think about you know what if and and what would have been what could have been uh, because th- there was as you said probably three or four of those uh, probably three touchdowns you know that that are easy scores for Boston College post routes guys wide open um, that unfortunately Dennis just wasn't able to hit if you're a Boston College fan but he turned it on he put his team in a position to win 
Uh, you know, they they were driving. That two-minute drill was beautiful. They did a great job play calling schematically what they were able to, de- to do, what they were able to see. Um, it, it was impressive. And, and I think if you're a Boston College fan, Boston College you know, player coach, you're, you're very excited about your team and, and where they're going, what they can do, the fight that they have. Thought the offensive line played – you know, very well for most of the night. Now, schematically, Clemson's going to give you trouble, and I think they ended up having four or five sacks. But outside of that and a couple of false starts with a roaring crowd. Um, yeah, it was loud. You know, you're, you're feeling good about your team. And then Clemson, uh, you know, for a half, kind of looked a little bit like their old selves. You know, had over 200 yards at halftime, 200, 240, 250 maybe at halftime, uh, moving the ball, still some hiccups along the way, but – you know, scoring some points and, and making things happen. And then really the second half, uh, you know, just more the same, just not being on the same page. You know, DJ throwing a great pass, guy dropping it. Uh, guy wide open, screaming down the field. DJ throws a, a poor ball. You know, offensive line giving up pressure uh, at times and then running back, you know, missing a hole, this or that. So uh, poor play calling. I mean, that that fourth down or third down and short call uh, option to the right, did not like that at all. Um, third and one. Yeah, not I don't don't agree with that at all. So it just goes to show you again that it, it's showing each and every play uh, when things are bad. There's guys just not on the same page and guys not doing what they're asked or not executing the right way. And it, it's new territory. It truly is for Clemson. And it's something that they're going to have to continue to figure out if they even are able to. You know, this year th- these honestly are you know, spring ball slash camp problems. These are things that you fix in training camp, um, not in the middle of the season, but will be interesting to see, you know, because when it clicks, it's going to be off and, and ready to the races. We've seen flashes. Kobe Pace steps up huge, has an amazing game. As you mentioned, Ngata just really coming into his own. And, uh, you know, if DJ figures it out, it's going to be really special. So we'll be interesting to see moving forward what can the Tigers do, uh, you know, with the rest of the season. Because 19 points, Honestly, the deeper you get in this ACC play, the less and less I think that's going to be able to win you games. Clemson has yet to score over 20 in regulation against an <laughs> FBS opponent. I know Max laughing because that is it's nuts. so it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. It's so mind blowing. I thought the play calling was a lot better. I, I'm really coming to think, <laughs> yeah. and Mac, you talked about this on our podcast last week. You said, look, the players are just not executing. And I'm really starting to believe that Tony Elliott, yeah, could he have been a little more creative early on? Sure. But Besides that third and one where you ran the option, and I, we, Mac, you and I watched that play and went back and broke it down. BC played it really well, but overall, I thought you were a little more creative. You're just you're not executing, and for whatever it is with DJ, I think he's he's lacking some confidence. But the bottom line is he just doesn't have the touch that some of these other Clemson quarterbacks have had. If he like that bullet he threw to Ngata, third and twelve across the middle, if he has someone open across the middle and he can throw an absolute fastball at you. That's what he wants to do. That's great. Some of the out routes he threw, great. But when the touch plays where you have to put the ball in a bucket or you have to hit a guy with a short pass and put it exactly where he needs to put it, he's really struggling with that. But as I said, I thought Ngata was a huge factor. And then the other issue too, your key, Mac, you said Boston College needed to force turnovers. They didn't force any turnovers. And that was big. That's probably why Clemson won the game and why BC lost in the end. But Clemson, on the two interceptions they had, only got field goals on each of those drives where the old Clemson offense gets touchdowns, and this game is probably a little out of reach. But the fact that BC could not force a turnover and give Clemson credit, that was probably the difference because they needed one break where they could get the ball in a short field. 
Right. And they just never could get it and never, never were able to. And, and really just to, you know, shout out the Clemson defense as well. These guys are, are playing at an unbelievable level. Andrew Booth is, is the best tackling corner in the, in the country. I mean, he's so physical. He's so aggressive, maybe a little too aggressive. He was on a corner cat somehow wasn't offsides. I know Boston college <laughs> is furious about that. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just the plays that he can make. Miles Murphy had an excellent game. Got held probably three or four times. Should have had more sacks. He had one and a half. Xavier Thomas was all over the field. Really, really impressed and happy for that young man. A guy who honestly almost stepped away from football and, and now is back, is healthy, uh, probably in the best shape of his life and, you know, going to make a ton of money. So this defense is playing extremely well. And somehow, week over week, Clemson not able to score plus 20 in regulation, these guys are finding a way to be okay with that and to get them some W's. It's a lot of pressure on the defense to do that. And, you know, you had to do a bye week. Clemson has so many injuries right now, Mac. It's it's crazy. If we listed all of them, we would the podcast would be over an hour. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's not excuses because BC didn't have Dracovic. Like that that was a – you don't have your quarterback. I mean, that's a huge problem for Boston College there. Have you ever seen a season, or Mac, were you ever a part of a season at Clemson where – you just felt like the injury luck was so bad. Maybe if you count, you know, 14 when Deshaun got hurt like four times, yeah. maybe. But that's one guy. I mean, I, I've never seen it with this team where, you know, it's like four or five stars, not just players. I mean, superstars that, that are hurt and impactful positions and players. So, no, I, I haven't seen it quite like this, which is it, it's truly bonkers. But, hey, you've, you've that's the name of the game. It's a violent game. And, you know, guys have to be ready and, and ready to step up and do their job. All right, Mac, let's get to the speed round before we close out. Two more games, and we're going to add in, of course, Virginia and Miami from Thursday night. Let's start with that game, Mac. I mean, geez, (laughs) Miami just found a way to lose. And I think you see a little bit of the difference there. Some programs know how to win. Some programs almost feel like bad luck is just going to find them. And that's what happened with Miami missing the field goal. They did fight their way back. Derek King didn't play. What were your thoughts on the Miami-UVA game from Thursday night? Yeah, well, good to, you know, see some competition. You know, at first it started off really slow and ugly and and just not a great game. And then really the third quarter it picked up and was nice and fun. And then ultimately it got ugly again in the fourth. But, you know, just a, a crazy game. I mean, a typical coastal game uh, to, to where you have them going back and forth, sloppy play all over the field. Uh, Virginia scored nine points in one quarter and 11 points in another. So that just goes to – that just goes to show you how weird of a game this really was. But, you know, Brendan Armstrong, his first game of looking somewhat human, normal, uh, you know, only had 268 yards. That dude's thrown for like 400 every other game. So, or every game, not even every other. So very normal game from him. The the rushing attack from UVA, this was the first time that those guys were, you know, kind of in the 180, close to 200 range and, you know, defensively did enough. Yeah, it was. De- defensively did enough and, and made some big plays, made some physical plays, had four sacks, had a safety. It was just impressive to see those guys play at that level. And then Miami, slow start for Van Dyke. I'm probably honestly a little concerned for Derek King, you know, with that injury to a shoulder, uh, how this season is going. Um, it, it's going to be very interesting the way ahead for him and, and what ultimately this team is going to look like, what his season is going to look like. Uh, which breaks my heart because he's a tremendous young man. He's a tremendous competitor. And uh, there was a ton of excitement around him and this team this season. So now if he's you know injured or out for the year, that just, I mean, what a really crappy way to end a fantastic college career. So, you know, thoughts and prayers for that young man. Van Dyke, you know, look, 
like a freshman or a sophomore to start uh, and then really kind of came on late. Uh, the rushing attack for Miami, much better, but you know, to, to only have 169 yards on 40 attempts is you know not great. They, they need to continue to figure that out, continue to, to, to get better and better there, but a slow start for, for really both of these coastal teams that uh, you know, just need to keep figuring it out. Feels like Miami this year, and, and maybe at times under Manny Diaz, has been a little snake bitten. You have some bad luck. And it's starting to look more and more that way with the Derek King injury and, of course, the, the missed field goal at the end of the game. Mac, I went back. I wasn't able to watch the noon slate live, live, but I went back and watched Syracuse, Florida State. And this game, look, I know it's two teams that are not exactly knocking on the playoffs door. This game was fun. This was a fun football game. Like, you got your money's worth if you went to this game. And Florida State pulls it out. They get the win. I felt like I could feel this huge collective <laughs> sigh of relief when that field goal went in. Because Florida State still had a, a good number of fans there that were cheering them on. My main takeaway, Mac, was Garrett Schrader is that dude. Like, he's tough as nails. 137 rushing, three touchdowns, 150 passing, and a touchdown. Did have a pick. Jordan Travis had some costly mistakes, but of course, he's an incredible athlete. He's making plays. FSU was able to run the ball really well, but my main takeaway was Schrader. I mean, he he's tough as nails, Mac. Yeah, I'll, I'll tell you something interesting on the front end before I, I kind of talk about the duo quarterback battle here that nobody saw coming. Um, so at the beginning of the game, it's third and one or fourth and one. It's short yardage. Florida State's going for it, trying to convert. EJ Manuel in the studio says... If they get this, they're going to win the game. They convert. They kick a field goal. The field goal was the difference in the game. L- listen That's to this. Bo- listen to this box score. Second quarter, 13-13. Third quarter, 7-7. Fourth quarter, 10-10. Yeah. The only difference was that field goal in the first quarter, and it was 3-0. EJ. So EJ is just a prophet. I love that guy to death. <laughs> uh, it was so funny to see the emotional roller coaster that he was on in the studio during this game. Uh, but yeah, I mean, the quarterback battle. I'm sitting here preaching, saying, Sean Tucker's got to get the rock. Uh, Corbin's got to get the rock. Both of these running backs have to do it all. And little did I know, it was going to be the quarterbacks that decided to go back and forth, uh, both lead their team in rushing. That was the first time that a Florida State quarterback had two passing touchdowns and a 100-yard rushing since, guess who, Kelly Gramlich? Since EJ Manuel? <laughs> EJ Manuel, that's right. How did you know that? You're so smart. So it was cool to see kind of some good things happening for Florida State and, man, to get in the win column. Uh, I know there was a little controversy. There there was a conversion that Florida State made that Jordan Travis was kind of scampering outside that there could have been like five, six, seven holding calls mm. that, you know, There's a blind mouse There's some Syracuse fans really mad on Twitter about that. And I understand because oh, you, man, they are you had every chance. He owed. <laughs> yeah. And that was, I mean, that was, that was pretty bad. And Coach Rick got fired up about that, as, as did I. But uh, got a dub uh, for Florida State. They were able to win finally in the win column. Uh, one in four. Sitting here, and guess who you see next week? North Carolina. And guess who you've never lost to? Mac Brown. You've got to be feeling good about seeing them on the schedule. So maybe they go for two, maybe not. Uh, it's going to be really interesting to see Florida State this next week. I want to give Syracuse some credit because I think Dino Babers has done a really good job this year. I think he's he's looked at his roster, he knows what he has, and he's adapted, especially offensively, to what they have. And they're very much a run-first team with Sean Tucker and Schrader. And, you know, for a guy in Dino who a lot of people just thought he was dead in the water, thought, oh, yeah, for sure, this will be his last year. He'll probably get fired. It's not looking that way right now. 
And so I'm impressed with how he's adapted, Mac. Syracuse hosting Wake Forest next weekend. I'm not going to sit here and pick the upset, but I think Wake needs to be on their P's and Q's. Let's just put it that way, Mac. They, they definitely will, and especially with this defense uh, from Syracuse. I mean, they get after the quarterback. They show you a bunch of exotic things. Mikel Jones is in the center of it all and is an absolute werewolf. Um, they, they, they're they going to be ready. They need to be ready. This isn't you know the Cuse team that we've seen for the past two, three, four years. Uh, th- these guys can hit you right in the mouth. And um, honestly, I, I thought, just to go back to Florida State really quickly, I think if Jordan Travis does not play, this is actually a super no-duh statement, but if Jordan Travis doesn't play, um, they lose this game and probably lose it big time because just his escapability was great. Like, he was dead in the water four times, like easily sacked four times. And somehow he's Houdini out there and, yeah. and ends up running for, you know, 10, 15 yards. I'm just like, man, that is backbreaking for a defense. And even in, you know, kind of like third down situations where Cuse is going to get the ball back. And now these guys have new life and are able to go score points. So, you know, it's, it's good to see that. And, uh, you know, can you build on it? Can you build on this, you know, bright light that you have right in front of you with Corbin and with Travis run the football, figure it out, go make right. plays. And you take some of the mistakes, some of the picks and stuff from Jordan Travis, but you take that because he's so electric. Exactly. And he has that escapability. I and would the, like the to see him throw it down the field a little bit more. Like call plays. Yeah, like I mean, they, ideally. They were calling dink and dumps all game long. There were a couple strikes. You know, they kind of ran a, a – it's not a trick play, but it kind of is where they run a fake screen because they had ran the screen so much. Yes, and then the tight end the gets up the, the seam, middle, yeah. which is good. Um, but I, I would like to see him, you know, be able to air it out a little bit. Maybe they don't trust him. Maybe not. Um, but I, I think that it, it would just be interesting to see. Last game of the weekend, Mac, NC State 34, Louisiana Tech 27. I don't care what the score is, NC State. Just win. Just win, baby. They got the win. You move on. You hear me, Pitt? Just win. No one remembers <laughs> what the score is. Just win. And they found a way to do it. I think it's a classic letdown spot. Absolutely. State. You have all the hype after Clemson. You're making textile bowl t-shirts. And now you have Louisiana Tech. I'm just going to leave you with this stat, Mac, and you can tell me your thoughts. Louisiana Tech passed for 341 yards versus NC State. Last week, Clemson passed for 111 in an overtime game. Double overtime. That's baffling. I, I just Do you have any thoughts? Or should we just have a, a moment of silence after that? Both. <laughs> Both. Um, <laughs> no, but you, like you said, th- this is what we thought. I mean, I'm sitting here kind of reading our notes from Friday, and you know, we said this is going to be a culture-defining game. You know, how do you react and how do you handle you know, a situation after you beat and got to the mountaintop? You beat Clemson, you're up here. That's the first you time. You made T-shirts. Right, you made T-shirts about it. I mean, that, that was a big, big deal to be able to beat the Tigers. And, and first time that your coach was able to do it, how are you going to react? And, and I, we, we just knew. I was just hopeful that it wasn't going to be a loss, you know, how they respond and, and how they get this, and almost almost did. But, you know, come up, defense makes a huge play uh, to really seal the deal. Um, you know, listening to Coach Dave Dorn after the game was was a little bit disappointed in his offense, you know, just said that those guys weren't making plays, weren't making it happen. Uh, and then, of course, you're putting your defense in a tough spot, and, and they're giving up passing yards all over the yard. I think those guys respond. I think they figure it out still – Really, really feel good about this NC State game, but uh, now that this is over, hopefully it's all rearview mirror and they can they can right, press on right. and, and get going with the rest of their season. They need to, no doubt about it. We have a little bit of a smaller slate next week, so there's five games, and we're going to talk about them all this week on our Friday episode, and we have a special guest coming up on Wednesday. Super excited to talk with this human. I won't give anything away. 
And just to reiterate, Mac, our September, I think we said this in our last episode, our September was awesome. It was our best ever in terms of, of listeners and downloads. And just thank you. Thanks to everyone. We love doing this and we appreciate you listening. No doubt about it. And we could not do it without our great producer, Richmond Weaver. Guys, go check out his podcast, Rich Take on Sports. Has so many great stories, so many great episodes, over 150 uh, on his podcast. You can get that and download that anywhere you get your podcasts. But that's it from us. Guys, thanks for listening. If you haven't already, go over to iTunes, follow our podcast, drop us a little five-star rating, or write us a review. We would greatly appreciate that. But until next time, we'll see y'all.